0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the fitter and faster coaches corner as always I'm your host Mike Murray excited to have the associate head coach of Texas A&M swimming and diving. Jason Catalog. Now, how are you, Jason? How are you doing coming at us from College Station today?
1: Hey, Mike, I'm doing well. It's a beautiful January afternoon here. It's nice and warm, so it's been good. We have morning practice, afternoon practice this afternoon, so I'm kind of excited.
0: Now, do you guys go on a training trip or do you just stay home and train?
1: Um, we used to go on a training trip, but the last couple of years we've stayed home only because we have the facilities. We have everything we need. Um, the weather's normally in the 70s, so it's not so bad, but um, In the past, we've gone to the Orange Bowl Classic um, in, you know, in the Keys. So we've raced Michigan a couple of times. Um, Last week, we were supposed to swim the University of Florida and FSU. So that was kind of like a training trip, but it got canceled with a little bit of COVID issues and travel issues and everything. So we didn't want to risk all that before the SEC championship. So uh, we just stayed in College Station this year.
0: That's awesome, man. You have an extensive background working for some of the best coaches some of the greatest mentors in our sport. And I wanna lead off today's episode. We've talked a lot the last few weeks on Coach's Corner about having great mentors. You know, you've been a part of some dynamic coaching staffs. You've been coached by some great coaches. You've also worked with the Philippines national team. Talk to me about what it was like early on working with Sergio and how that's helped shape your philosophy over the last decade.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sergio has been a great mentor for me personally as a swim coach, but also more as a family man and as a friend. I think to this day, he, he still mentors me from Virginia tech. He still gives me great advice on how to be a good coach, how to be a good family man. I think, you know, he's been awesome to me and I'll be so indebted to him for the rest of my life for teaching me not just his philosophy, but his mentors philosophies and, Joseph Naji and Doc Kautzman, all the other coaches that he's had. So it's been great to be a small part in his little coaching tree.
0: No doubt about it. And one of the cool things about Sergio is he traveled so much as an athlete that he got to work with a lot of different coaches. And you can see that in the way that, uh, you know, he is with his teams. The, the backbone of his team is probably the relationships, right? He is such a relationship-based coach. What did you glean from your time with him, um, especially at Bowls, but but even before that, before you got to Bowls? what are some of the things that stood out to you when you were an athlete and then when you first started working with him?
1: Yeah, I think with Sergio, he was just, he's definitely a great people person. He understands the human being, and I think that's what makes him such a great coach. Uh, you know, obviously he has the background of the sets and all the, you know, technique work, but I think what makes him so great is, you know, you can trust him. I think that's what gravitates coaches to him, what swimmers to him. I think he does a really good job of making sure that you feel comfortable. Um, He gets to know about your family, which, you know, I think is super important as a coach because, you know, when you're a club coach, it's it's great to know the parents, their siblings. And then when you're a college coach, it's good to know about them, even though you don't get to interact with as much as a club coach. But I think it's so important that, you know, getting to know the swimmers and their families is how you're going to get them to swim fast and to trust you. So that's the biggest thing I've definitely learned from Sergio, you know, for the past 15 some odd years.
0: You know, when people think about you, Jason, when you and I have shared a pool deck at, at nationals or other meets, I've noticed that you're an incredibly positive and enthusiastic person <laughs> and you, your enthusiasm manifests itself in some big time cheering on deck. Why is that an important part of the way that you approach the sport?
1: Um, I think, you know, for me, you know, I use this sport as a catalyst to, you know, teach. I, I definitely think of myself as a developmental coach. I'm still learning every single day how to be a better coach. But I think, you know, I always pride myself as a de- 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 developmental coach, just like as a club coach. You know, I may be coaching college now, but I think of myself as a club coach. I'm always trying to learn how to get the best out of my summers and being positive is a huge part of that you know and being able to believe in something that maybe they never believed in or even for yourself I think it's important that you know they trust you and I think that's being a big believer in them is what makes them swim fast and what makes them want to swim faster for you
0: and when you have a coach that's jumping up and down on the sidelines it kind of gets you fired up right when you're in the water was that your experience as an athlete
1: yeah I mean you know I think For me, it's just like I've always been a positive person in general throughout my life. And then as a coach, it's the same way. I think if they see you're invested, they will do whatever it takes to help you. And it's it's very give or take because it takes time. It's not Just because you're cheering and yelling doesn't mean they're going to swim fast. But I think it shows that you're invested in them. And I think that's super important, whether you're the top swimmer in the world or just, uh, you know, developmental swimmer. You're just only doing high school only. I think that it just it really Takes a little bit of just teaching them about believing and teaching them about making sure that you're invested in them, that it goes such a long way. And I think it doesn't matter who, who, what kind of swimmer you are, if your coach is there cheering you on. It's got to give a positive impact to you.
0: I love it. You know, a few years ago, my friend and I were talking about what we wanted our team culture to be like and what we wanted our team to invest in. We wanted them to invest in each other. There's a famous YouTube clip if you're a swim nerd like many of us who watch Coach's Corner. Caleb was at the World Junior Championships. You had the meet uh, up on a white screen for the entire Bulls team to watch. And when he touched the wall first, the whole team went nuts. And somebody reported that and it's viral now. Oh, really? I didn't
1: know. I haven't watched it in years.
0: (laughs) It it is one of the most poignant uh, clips that you can watch about a team being invested in a swimmer. And this is going to be a great segue into our topic today, which is coaching some legends before they were legends. They were probably legends to you in the moment. But when I watched that, I thought this this is a group that has buy in, not just because Caleb was their teammate and he was a tremendous athlete, but you could tell that. They were genuinely invested in his success. Talk about some of the things that you and Sergio did at Bowls to, to create that that type of enthusiasm and excitement within the athletes.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it always starts from the top, you know, the head coach and him, you know, having his assistant coaches to the swimmers, to the parents, to buy in what his vision is. And from the very beginning in 2007, his vision was to become a better team, to be there to be there for each other, but also making sure that, you know, taking Bulls to that next level, because they've had such great success in the past from Greg Troy on. And I think we just wanted to continue that uh, in the new age, in the new era, you know, especially back then, it's slowly when social media was starting. So we had to make sure that, you know, we were showing everybody that this is the way we wanted to do it. And I think Sergio just did a great job of making sure from top to bottom, we, executed his vision and he's done that wherever he's been he's been so successful and i've always tried to just mimic that where i've been you know in my own version because i am not him he you know i'm trying to use his tactics but not everything is going to work for me and for this this team that i'm on currently
0: for sure you know one of the things i noticed we were up in seattle at uh, junior nationals one of the, the last years that you guys were there and uh it was the loudest team top to bottom Prelims, finals. Everybody was invested in everybody else's success, and that's a great that's a great mark of a championship team. Uh, you guys have really taken that. Uh, well, you have taken that experience and parlayed it into to college coaching and blossoming at Texas A and M over the last few years, really developing that men's team. And we're seeing it now with the development of Shane and how he's exploding on the international scene. And th- this is a kid who was you know, pretty well recruited, but maybe not well known by everybody. And he's exploded into one of the best short course swimmers in the last decade. Talk about his development and, you know, how you guys kept that, kept your target on not just having NCAA success, but taking that into some international
1: swimming. I think the first thing's first, you know, you know, Shane came up from a background in McAllen, Texas, Text South Texas, which is really it's literally Mexico, it's, it's on the border of Mexico and there's not a lot of great swimming over there. But I think for me, when I first saw him at Junior Nationals in Austin, as I think a sophomore or junior, I was like, this is the guy. Nobody was looking at him. He wasn't in finals or anything, but I stared at him for like 20 minutes. I was like, this is the guy. And I texted my head coach a photo of him and like, hey, this is the guy that we want. And he slowly developed. I think, you know, when I saw him train at his, his club team that, he didn't have a club team. He's basically training on his own next to 10 year olds, you know? So he he had a lot of potential that wasn't fully exposed yet. And it was just my job to make sure that he continued to develop and stay humbled and remember where he's from. I think that's one of the, lot of things that when successful swimmers get better and better and better, they forget where they came from. So I always made sure that he remembered where he came from in McKellen, but even now we're, you know, Texas A&M College Station where we helped develop him and then on to his future success in the future and, and the years by that he continues to remember his past and always taking care of the people who's helped him throughout his time.
0: Jason, talk to us and talk to the young coaches who listen to Coach's Corner every week about what you were looking for as a college coach. You mentioned you saw Shane and you, th- you thought to yourself, this is a guy who's going to make an impact in college swimming. What are the things you're looking for when you when you're watching him swim at juniors?
1: I think the biggest thing is always, you know, you know, as a coach, you're trying to look at, you know, height, length of arms, you know, feet, big feet, you know, the the typical thing a college coach would look for. But I'm also looking, how does he interact with his club coaches? You know, what is he doing? You know, does he, you know, have a great relationship with him or does he stay by himself? Um, I'm also looking at how he reacts after a race. Um, you know how he warms down like the simple things that nobody's looking for is what I'm looking for and I think being a club coach that's helped me in college that I've that's something that I've gotten used to watching and looking for as a club coach and making sure that we're doing great things and warming up warming down having great relationships with the coaches and the swimmers Um, that's helped me as a college coach because I'm able to use that to help parlay to find swimmers who think alike and who fit the mold of the development. I think, you know, it's just like college football or basketball, you know, you're looking for the right players to fit your system. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. And then you're always going to have to have the outliers the outside the box thingers. And Shane is like that, you know, he, you know, he grew up swimming by himself. So he w- didn't have that team atmosphere. So that's something that we've had to develop over the years. And it's continued something that we've continued to develop now when he makes the U S national team and how to use your teams, how to use your coaches, So that's something that, you know, it's also a teaching moment all the time. As a young coach, as an experienced coach, you always need to learn. You always need to develop. I mean, I think that's the one thing that, you know, for me it's I never – I've always considered myself as an underdog. I'm always trying to be better, you know. I always try to make sure that um, how can I make my swimmers better? And that's something that's super important to me. And, you know, why we've improved at Texas A&M is because of that – underdog mentality that, you know, a lot of college coaches, you know, the top stay the top, the middle stay the middle and the bottom stay the bottom. No one changes, you know? And for me, it's like, I wanted to do something different. You know, a lot of college coaches didn't give me the time or day when I applied to jobs five, six, seven, eight years ago, you're a club coach, you know, nothing, you know, you can't recruit. So I've made it a point to make sure that I worked my butt off to make sure that whenever I face these people, we're continuing to get better, you know, and that's just my mentality. And I always had that under it. No matter how much success I've had, I continue to make sure that we continue to develop no matter where we're at.
0: I love it, man. I love it. You're in one of the most competitive conferences in all of college swimming. The SEC always powerhouses. You're starting to see a little bit of the shift the last couple of years over to the East coast and the ACC starting to get a lot better. So the, Parody in college swimming is coming around and it's great to see you guys right in the mix. I'm going to segue now into probably some of the most historic club developmental years in the United States, uh, as well as for for Joseph Schooling uh, and Singapore swimming is your time at Bowles and having the opportunity to work with Ryan Murphy, Joseph Schooling and Caleb Dressel. Um, What an incredible couple years when you were there, talk to me about when you started to have the feeling that this group was going to not just be special, but they were gonna define an era of swimming.
1: Um, I think, you know, when you're in the moment, you never really understand how big of a moment it is, you know, because they're 13, 14, 15 years old. So, you know, your coaching club kids are just regular kids, you know, like I don't see Caleb Dressel as, the superstar swimmer that he is. I see him as the 14 year old kid who would show up to practice every day. You know, like to me, you know, I think when you're in that moment, you truly don't understand. You talk about it as a coaching staff, like maybe this something could develop in 2016 and the end beyond, but you just never know. Cause there's always, you know, they go to college and new things happen. But I think for us, you know, we always try to stay in the moment. And that's something that Sergio was always telling us stay in the moment. Appreciate what you have because you never know what's going to happen next year. So I think that was so important for my development to understand that appreciate what I have. You know, have coaching Caleb Dressel every day. You know, having a chance to watch Ryan Murphy train or Joseph schooling or someone you didn't mention. Santo Condorelli was also part of that group. So I think just staying in the moment, understanding yes, we knew that something great was happening but you just never know what's going to happen because there's so many different factors. And I think we were just blessed to be part of that small moment of time to be there day in, day out, you know, and watching a little bit of our fruits of our labor in college. And then now as professional swimmers, was just a great moment in our lives and something that I'll never forget. And, you know, hopefully we could have that success again one day.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that Jason, because I was on the pool deck, uh, at trials in 2016, and I, I witnessed Caleb seek you out after making the team. Talk about what that meant to you.
1: Um, it was a special moment, so you can see it right here. That's what he said to seek me out. I think it's such a surreal moment because that's something that we talked about years prior and him believing in something that we talked about when he was a 14-year-old kid. Um, to see his success. has been such a special moment for me. Um, You know, I try to keep to myself. I try not to show my emotions, but that was the, one of the few times that I let my emotions out where I did let a tear out and understand that, wow, this is such a big moment for him. And also for myself, because, you know, I may have not been coaching him at that exact moment because he was already at the university of Florida, but I understand all the hard work, it took for him to get there and to see Ryan Murphy make it and all this, you know, swimmers do such great things, you know, it, it was just great to be part of their success. You know, it, you know, I, it didn't matter if I was his current coach, you know, I just knew that, you know, all his coaches that he had beforehand with Dale Porter and so many other coaches that it was great to be part of their success.
0: Absolutely. And we can start talking about Caleb, because I want to talk about all three individually and uh, even Sanso because santo had one of the best pre-race rituals maybe ever in swimming with his dad (laughs) oh yeah we can talk about that too but um one of the things that uh i know that was important in caleb's development was the significance of his family he's very tight with his family uh i know he's very tight with um you know his teammates at florida too when he was going through the process but at, at bowls uh when he was swimming with you guys he didn't go to bowl school but Uh, He was very much a part of the culture there. So talk about the Dressel family and how that was an important part of his development.
1: I think, you know, his family is number one, and that is something has never changed from when he was a kid all the way to as a professional swimmer, though, you know, famous swimmer that he is the Olympic gold medalist family's always number one to him. And, And that to me has been very special because it reminds me that family needs to be number one, you know, as a coach, you forget that success, Moving up the ladder becomes number one. And then summers like him remind me that you could stay humble. You can have millions of dollars, Olympic gold medals, but the one who's going to be behind you is your family. And that success that he's had with his family, they've always stayed humble. His mom has no idea what his times are. <laughs> she always texts me during races. Was that good? You know, to this day at the Olympic games, he made one gold medal. It was a good time, you know, like things like that. I think that's been so great. You know, his family has let him continue to have success on his own. They don't try to jump on his bandwagon. They just support him the best way again with his wife, Megan, you know, she swam for me also. I mean, I think, you know, and then his brothers and sisters, Tyler, you know, Sheridan and Kaylin, they've been, you know, they've been such great support system for him that it's, why he's so successful? Because he can stay humble. He, you know, he doesn't forget about where he came from, and that's something that's why he stayed at Clay County and he went to Clay High School. You know, because his local high school was so important for him. You know, and then, you know, the Bulls Why he represented Bulls Sharks when he was in college. You know, he didn't represent you know Gator Swim Club until we were all gone. You know, so I think that's super important. I think he's just a humble kid. And he understands where he came from, and he'll never forget that. And that's what makes him so great.
0: A coach from the outside looking in and and knowing a little bit about Caleb, just, you know, from conversations with Greg and um, my stepdaughter was very close with Sheridan at Florida. Um, He just seems like a genuine person, but he's also super playful. And he's able to maybe compartmentalize some of those big moments just because he's having fun. True?
1: Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I think he's one of those special talents where swimming is maybe his fifth best sport, you know, because he could play and he could have played in the NFL. There's no doubt in my mind. He could run, he could jump. He, he's so explosive. You watch his weight room videos. He does all the things to be an exceptional talent. And I think what swimming does for him is, you know, it's, it's mano, I think that's what he loves that it's him racing himself. It's not racing anybody else but himself. I think that's what makes him so great because he's always challenging himself to get to that next level. But also, you know, for him just being humble and understanding that when it's time to swim and it's time to train, that's his main focus. When it's time to be with his family, that's his main focus. When it's time to play basketball with his friends after practice or before practice, that's his focus and nothing will get away from that. So I think that's what makes him so great. He knows how to understand the big moments, and what's important at that moment, and I think that's great, you know, he's one of the few swimmers in the past that took huge breaks off, you know, once the swim season's over, he will take two to three to four weeks off to really focus, to get away from swimming, you know, most swimmers want to keep grinding, he's one of the few swimmers that gets away, he needs it for his mental health, he needs it to just play and be a kid, you know, he loves to play, you know, soccer, football, catch, fishing, climb ropes, whatever it may be, you know, and he's a, 26 year old man and i think that is what makes him so great is he's able to just separate himself and understand the moments that he needs to be great in and when it's time to just relax and have fun and be a kid and i think that's what makes him so successful and why he will continue to have success is because he could get away from swimming because swimming is such a grind
0: it's a great personality to watch continue to grow and, and the contributions that he's making to the sport uh, don't go unnoticed by anybody. Certainly uh, we can move over to Ryan Murphy now, Jason. And uh, one of the things that I think I've appreciated the most about watching Murph is the intensity that he brings to his races, That yeah. that championship focus. It seems that he has, I remember watching him as an age grouper and thinking, This kid has dynamite underwaters, but he's congruent off every wall. I mean, he's precise. Talk about the uh, development of Ryan.
1: Oh, for sure. You know, you know, obviously Sergio Lopez was his, you know, full-time coach. I got to just help out during the summers and, you know, holidays and things like that, or, you know, during swim meets and stuff. But I think what makes Ryan different from Caleb or Joseph or anything, Ryan was a machine. He is very robotic-like. He does everything, you know every rep perfectly he does everything methodically he thinks through everything he has everything planned out years and months in advance i think that's what makes him such a great swimmer because he understands everything the piece by piece you know everything is going in that in that movement and training wise you know he has to have a great relationship with his coaches there's a reason why he's he swam for dave durden because dave durden's very similar in that way so that made a great connection for him and Sergio is very much like that too so I think Ryan definitely you know obviously he has the height the length you know the growth and everything the explosive power and everything that everyone else has but he also has the work ethic I think the work ethic is bar none one of the best he's very cerebral in that sense that makes him very different from others
0: what what were some of the sets that you remember or or maybe you can recall something that he did whether it was with Sergio or at a meet where you you kind of started to think this is this is going to be a world class kid
1: um i mean i think you know he i think a lot of the times where you know you know he would do 200s backstroke descending he did it so methodically that was just you know, crazy for me to think about, you know, you know, dropping to like 202 long course, you know, six, 200 backstroke or Sergio's famous set of 30 fifties, you know, you start at 30 points, first 10, next 10, 29s, last 10, 28s, And he's doing a backstroke. I think, you know, he's just a surgical machine in that way. I think there's no Barna, nobody that I know who's very can move in that way. So methodically, I think, you know, that's what, when I understood that when he was at, at a younger age, that he can do things like that. And more and more, I'm excited to see what he asked for the future to take that next step for himself.
0: It's gonna be fun to watch and certainly appreciated the intensity that he brings to his racing. Mm-hmm. When we, we start talking about Joseph and um, the thing that jumps out to me is the competitor, right? Doesn't wanna get beat in practice doesn't want to get beat in anything just has a mindset to want to race uh and all three of these athletes very different in some of their preparation but fair to say that they all love to be challenged
1: Hundred percent. you know with joseph he just he's the typical person that hates to lose in whatever it is it's playing video game it's playing golf when i used to play with him or when it's you know practice or swim meet he hates to lose and i think that's some that's typical eddie reese when he recruits you know he asks do you hate do you love to win or hate to lose you know if you get the hate to lose type of you'll do anything it takes to win you know and that's why he had a great relationship with jack conger because those two guys are best friends but man they butt heads and that was super important for joseph's development you know he had ryan murphy to push him every day and then he had you know santo Condorelli, and he had Caleb Dressel they would push him to his limits and I think that's what helped him become an Olympic champion is because he didn't want to lose and he understood the moment in 2016 that that was his time and he took full advantage of it and now he'll forever be the you know Olympic gold medalist from Singapore to meet Michael Phelps so I think that you know he understands the moments and he the moments was never too big for him and that was great to watch him growing up as a 13 year old slowly develop that you know, and seeing what his parents did for him, the sacrifices that they had, that, you know, he took a nation on his shoulders. And I think that's something that most swimmers could not do because of all the pressures that he had, he did it. And that was special to, to be there and to watch him win his first gold medal.
0: Oh, absolutely. And what a moment. Right. I mean, you, you know, and, and if you're close to the sport, you realize the pressure especially from a country like that, that has huge expectations for their best athletes, right. And and carrying that and being able to do it. We talk about Joseph's competitiveness as, as a young swimmer and Jason, we all want competitive athletes, but we have to do it in the context that a rising tide lifts all ships. Right. So when you have that super competitive swimmer who hates to lose, they're going to be challenging moments, right. Where egos get high, tensions get high. You're talking about these years at Bowls with three of the best athletes in the world on the planet. How are we managing those egos in the age group uh, lend?
1: <laughs> it's hard, you know, because they're tough. You know, was there good days and bad days? 100%. You know, it's not all dandelions and everyone's happy. Are there, you know, shouting matches with coaches or the shouting match with teammates yes because that's typical It's it's a lot of testosterone it's you know it's mano e mano so 100 percent for sure but I think the biggest thing that Sergio did a great job of was just developing the team atmosphere and understanding we're here for each other you know we're here to help each other get better and once those guys slowly started to realize that there's more and more you know, men and women who wanted to be great together. And I think, you know, we challenged ourselves as a team. How could we be top 25 at NCAAs as a club team? That's what Sergio told us in 2007 in our first all staff meeting was, how could we be top 25 at NCAAs with our high school club team? You know, and I think when it was Ryan Murphy's senior year, we would have been 13th, 14th at NCAAs with just high school kids. So I think, you know, that was a challenge, you know? I think that was fun and, you know, that kept everybody wanting to be better. Everyone wanting to be on the A relay, even to be on the B relay, you know? One time at, I'll never forget this, one time at Junior Nationals in Austin, you know, our 200 freestyle relay got first and third. Our B relay got third, you know? So like, to me, that was like, wow, we have something special here. And I think that was something that, you know, we want to continue to have that success and believing each other that it just, it's just, it just ball kept on rolling and kept on rolling, you know? And I think that was a great time for us to continue to develop.
0: We talked about Santo and, and his great, uh, pre-race tradition of yep. giving his father the bird from the yes. block and, and a tremendous swimmer in his own right, a world ranked athlete has had some great international success maybe not at the level of the other three, even though the other three are next level. What's it like managing that ego with with the kid who might be a finalist at junior nationals, but isn't ready to take that next step to Olympic trials or getting a second swim at trials? I know just knowing you and knowing Sergio that there's no change in the approach to coaching, but there's certainly a space that the athlete might identify. Hey, I'm not here yet. How do you encourage those swimmers to continue to keep driving towards their goals?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you got to treat everybody differently. You know, we all have a team goal or a senior group goal. But I think you got to treat anyone individually. And you got to understand that, you know, like when Caleb went to Olympic trials in 2012, he was 150th place, 200th place, you know. But I think it was important for him to understand, you know, next time around, you're not going to be there. You know, it's the same thing, whether you're a guy trying to qualify for sectionals or Florida age group championships or whatever, it's like, you know, we work hard. We're going to get to that next level. You can see it from the people who are above you. I think that's the one thing that, you know, Sergio always taught us. You got to make sure your top, top level swimmers are improving because the others will follow. And that's something I never forgot because if the top guys are improving, the middle guys will just want to stay behind than the guys below, you know, but also understand the flip side of things. you got to take care of the bottom end because at some point they're going to move up to your top end. You got to prepare them, you know, when they're 14 years old and they're losing to the world champions at some point, they're going to be 17, 18 years old or 22 years the captains of your college team that we got to continue to develop them also and understand they're important too. You know, I think that's the one thing that, you know, that I'll never forget is when Caleb used to mentor, the high school only swimmers. And I never told him to do this. He would coach these guys who were just swimming 25 freestyles, learning how to get across the pool who were part of my club team, but they are also part of the guy who's the world champion. And I think that was cool for him to get back to the sport, um, learning technique, you know, learning how to push off the wall. You know, he didn't have to do that, but that was so indicative of the way we were at bowls because we were always trying to help each other out, you know, for the age group level. I was always trying to help Dale Porter and I would always talk every single day on how he, I was trying to understand how he coached his 12, 13, 14 year olds. You know, when they were moving up to my group, you know, what is the language talk? What are you teaching them? And then he would ask the same what same thing. So we could always work together. And I think that's the one thing that Sergio has taught us from your national level group to your novice group, you all have to have synergy. And if all your group coaches had the same synergy, you're all teaching the same things, that's what's going to be the difference maker, because you're all teaching the same thing. And that's something that I think we spent a whole year working on what was the ultimate bowl swimmer going to look like, you know, what stroke, the butterfly stroke, what every stroke was going to look like, and how we broke it down into drills all the way to when you first got there. I think we worked as a staff, you know, from the age group side, all the way to the national level side, how we can continue to break the grounds to get better. And I think when all your coaches are on the same synergy level, magic happens because the swimmers will continue to develop. And I think that's what made working over there so great and why I want to continue to do that wherever I go.
0: One of the things that a lot of our young coaches are interested in, Jason, and perhaps it's the wrong thing to focus on, but it is a question that a lot of people consider when getting into this profession we're taking the next step. And that's appropriate volume and, and training volume for age group and senior level swimmers. You're talking about training some of those best swimmers in the world as age groupers. What did their volume look like? Is that something that you guys kept a close eye on? Was it important to the development? How did you guys approach volume and, and volume in their training specifically?
1: hundred percent. I think, you know, one thing that Sergio taught me is, you know, Jason, you may be coaching the best swimmer in the world, but You're still his developmental coach. And I never forgot that. You know, you are going to send him to somewhere else. Well, Greg Choi in this case, you know, so I never forgot that. And as a coach who is very competitive, you got to turn your ego away. And that's one of the hardest things to do is understand that you're not the end-all, be-it-all coach for this kid. And whoever it may be, you know, as a club coach, you got to understand that. And that's so hard because you want to see him so, swim so fast so they can get to that next level. But for me, I had to understand that there's another level. So sometimes, you know, we didn't train super high volume all the time. Was it between four and eight thousand every single day? Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, you know, I didn't force him to come to morning practices, you know, because he lived an hour away, you know, so that was tough for him and his family. You know, if we had practice at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, he'd have to be up three something in the morning. So I think that's something that, you know, we had to make sure that we were teaching him the right way, but understand as a club coach or his developmental coach, and you were putting him somewhere else. And, you know, I never forgot that. And that's why I think, you know, what made me somewhat successful is always remembering that, that, even as a college coach, yes, you only have four years to develop them, but, you know, if they have that special talent, how could you develop them for eight years, you know, so that's something that I've always been trying to, I'm still learning now, you know, having professional swimmers because that's a whole nother ball game also that you need to learn how to deal with. So I think I'm always learning and I think learning that is, is a super important skill as a coach.
0: Talk, Jason, I know you're so passionate about it, and we, we've really covered a lot of what I wanted to talk about today, but talk about how passionate you are right now about the a and program. It's been fun to watch your athletes have great success. Some of them move on to the ISL and, and are swimming great. I think, you know, Barrel's performances in, in the ISL have been fantastic, especially the, the, the last year or so. <laughs> um, you know, you you have this, these athletes who are moving on to great success, and then they have the pressure of maybe trying to make their Olympic team. And, you know, as a pro coach, you might not see them every day, you might not see them every month, but you're still kind of the key ingredient to what they're trying to do. Talk about your development into pro coaching, um, as, as an aside from what you do in your primary day job as the college coach.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's 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 difficult. It's definitely different from being a club coach a development coach. I think it's different from being a college coach. Um, I think, you know, with pro swimmers, you know. They want to be on their own and be able to make choices because they are older and they understand their bodies well. But they also, you know, they need a lot of attention also. They're looking for someone who's going to be watching them day in, day out also. so I think for me is, I'm still learning a lot about that, you know, learning when I could push the push and when I need to stay back and let them understand that they need to make those choices because they're adults. Um, and I think that is, as a coach is, it's difficult because when you're coaching college kids, you want to be on top of them. You know, when you're a club coach, you want to be on top, but you also have the parents also. So I think, you know, as a coach for myself, I'm still trying to learn that, you know, day in day out, you know, and I think, I think I'm continuing to get better, but I consider some it's, I'm not a finished product at all. I know I could be better. And I think it's proving day in day out that I need to be better and how I could separate the college team. I could separate the pro team and then, uh, you know, and how I could separate family. And also the biggest thing is my own interests outside of sport of swimming. So I'm always trying to balance new things all the time. And it's always a learning process. And thank God I have a wife who's very understanding in that sense but I also know that I'm my biggest critic because I, I'm the only one who's gonna believe in me. You know, I have some support system obviously, but you know, if I'm not gonna believe in myself and push myself to limits, then no one else will. And then none of my swimmers at a and are gonna believe that because i much, what I'm trying to do at a and is do things that's never been done before. You know, the men's programs never had a national champion. And then we had, you know, the guy win three and then he was the first time an NCAA swimmer of the year. I mean, one of the cool things that I told our staff, you know, a couple of weeks ago is, you know, when Shane won NSA or CSEA as swimmer of the year, I think throughout the history of that award, only two of them were maybe not, you know, let's say top 25 recruits in the country. It was Shane and Connor Dwyer, you know, I think everyone else was a top 25 type recruit, you know, and they just had to continue on their path, you know, you know, Shane wasn't like that. You know, I think we, I think that spoke volumes about development and making sure that we can do things at A&M, you know, nothing is harder than, you know, a team who's maybe hundred miles away is the, you know, the university of Texas, their national champions They have so much storied success and we have none of that, but that's what I came here to do. You know, I love being the underdog. I love, you know, having to develop something out of nothing, you know, and being in the SEC has helped. And being at Texas a and has helped because we have abundance of support from the 12th man, from the athletic department, everyone is surrounding us. But to me, it's there's nothing better than moving up the ladder and doing it in the right way and making sure that they understand that we're doing great things, but you're going to have a great education here and you're going to have a Great time while you're doing it here, and we're, you're going to be treated with respect. I think all those things encompass why for me being at a and has been so great, you know, and why I'll, I've loved my time here.
0: It's fun to watch. Talk to me about having no fear when you're staring down the barrel of having to swim the University of Florida, having to swim Georgia, having to swim Tennessee, you know, going against some of those SEC blue bloods. It's got to get you excited to go after those top spots.
1: One hundred percent, you know. Florida's won nine times in a row, I think, you know. So there's nothing more challenging, but also more motivating for me knowing that I've gotten second twice and I haven't gotten over the hump. I haven't had the formula to get over the hump yet. But you know, every year I'm gonna work my butt off to making sure that we create an environment to give ourselves a chance, you know, because in that five day meet, you never know what's gonna happen. And uh, you know, I, I just wanna give myself a chance. You know, I want to go into Saturday night having that chance at NCAA, the same thing, having that night that, you know, Texas had Cal's head or even, you know, where your daughter's at NC State or, you know, all those places that have been so close. You know, I like I want to be there, you know, and understand that I'm not there yet, but I'm going to be there. There's no doubt in my mind and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there in the right way. So that's it, something that's no more motivating and there's no more harder critic than myself, you know. By not winning, I don't consider myself a failure, but I I know I need to get to that top and help this head coach, Jay Holmes, because, you know, he went to school here and it's so important for me to help him keep on moving on that ladder because, you know, I understand that the Texas a and and the 12th man has given so much to my family. There's nothing but a better gift to help them win a championship. So that's so important.
0: Man, I love it. I could listen to that all day. Listen, one of the cool things about the SEC, if if you're a club coach and you think about the success that the SEC has had, you think about the head coaches, right? And when you you talk about Jack Bowerly and you think about Greg Troy and you think about Matt Kredich, those are all guys with a great club background. You have a, a great club background. How excited were you after this trials to see so many club swimmers make an impact not only on the team uh and those who just fell a little bit short so many club athletes 18 and under athletes making an impact again i know you know our, our friend brett arkey for example i mean what what a incredible moment right how, how proud of you were were you of usa swimming and our club coaches out there
1: i was phenomenal you know obviously one year delayed changed a lot of things because maybe a year, ago, one year ago, those kids would be on the outside looking in, but for them to make that home, it's been awesome. You know, it's, you know, for Brent, it was awesome to see, you know, Emma make it, you know, because, you know, I've known Brent when he was a young, young coach, you know, way back in Gainesville. So I think to see the success he's had and see the success of so many different club coaches, it's been so great for our sport. But it's also great for the future, but it's also great for the older swimmers to a you need to continue to find ways to get better. And I think that's what makes USA swimming so great, is because it's not just a small number of swimmers, it's more it's now from the older generation and now the younger generation, and we're meshing together, you know. So the future is so bright for the next, you know, two years and then the next six years for USA swimming. So it's been super great to watch and you know, for me, it's just being a small, tiny part of it. It's been great to see.
0: Certainly exciting to watch you and your career over the years. And, uh, you've gotten to work with so many international athletes, whether it was at bowls, uh, whether it's been at any of the, the places you've been, uh, what is unique and helps your team culture when you have athletes from different cultures, different ethnicities, what's special about that?
1: I mean, obviously just learning from different cultures is just huge. You know, it gives you a place of learning, you know, because kids train differently from different countries, you know, and I think you're just learning from them. I think, you know, as a young athlete, getting to train with someone from a different country is awesome because swimming's what binds you together. You know, a 50 meter pool is a 50 meter pool, you know. The black line's is the black line and training wise, everything is the, the same. And I think you could bond over that. I think swimming is such a great sport because you could learn so much from swim meets. You can learn so much from training. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, swimming is slowly starting to be more open and worldwide. So, you know, these podcasts or anything from, you know, social media now, everything is slowly becoming together. And I think that's great. I think it's going to only help, you know, American swimmers get better, but foreign swimmers get better because of all the wealth of knowledge that we can share with each other.
0: No doubt about it. And and a a faster NCAA means a faster Olympic Games, for sure. It's always fun to watch that. Uh, Jason, last two questions. The first one is, give us your favorite underwater kick
1: set. Favorite underwater kick set. You know, I don't know. I'm a creature of habit. uh, And mine's super simple. It's 825s underwater, you know, and that's something with fins or without fins. Um, Sergio used to do it a lot. And I still do it a lot, you know, maybe five times a week. You know, it's something that is something simple. Obviously, I try not to go 50 meters underwater longer, just because of the hypoxic training in that sense. I mean, that's why we do flip turns all the time, flyback, breast free to work on hypoxic training. But for me, the simplest thing is just 825s underwater, whether descending one to four, or, you know, we're doing kick counts and working on, you know, things in actual races. I mean, I just try to keep things simple. All my practices are super simple. I don't try to, to do 20 million things in one set, because I think, in this generation, they can only focus on one or two things and their mind goes somewhere else. So for me, I try to keep things as simple as possible, but understand there's an intent and purpose to everything we do.
0: I love it. And, I, and, and I've long appreciated and sometimes implement the flip turns from fly to back and yep. rest to free. I love it. A little extra hypoxic work on an IM set. Exactly. Favorite relay to watch at NCAAs?
1: Hmm probably you would be, well, there's it, it, all relays have different things. Cause like, you know, probably the most fun for me is probably the 400 freestyle relay at the end at NCAAs, because that's all about who has the enough stuff to finish it at the end, you know, because to me that my favorite event, you know, to watch at NCAAs, obviously the mile and all those things are fun, but the hundred freestyle prelims shows, Who's tough and who's not, who's ready to quit because the hundred freestyle, you know, last day, day Saturday, last day, you're so, there's so much lactic acid. How could you find a way to be in the top 16, you know, and then having to do that again on the relay, I think to me makes it so special because obviously the short 200 relays are awesome, but that's always a crap shoot. Anyone can win that. I mean, to me, my favorite relay to watch of all time might be last year at NCAA's for us. We got third <laughs> in the 800 freestyle relay, and it's at one point, at halfway through the race, we were under the American record pace. And I, you know, for me, I'm not used to that. You know, I'm not Cal or Texas where that's normal. Like to hear Texas AM is leading at the 400 yard mark in the 800 freestyle relay is. Was just a phenomenal moment. And for me, the development of what we had in the past five, six years, because years before that, we would get seventh or eighth or ninth place at SECs. And we've developed all the way to be top three at NCAAs through hard work. And so, like that relay to me was my favorite to be a part of, but to watch definitely the 400 freestyle relay at the end.
0: I love talking about the 800 free relay. It is my favorite relay. And I think there's a lot to be said when you have four really great 200 freestylers on your team, it says a lot about the way you train. One thing that we've noticed, Jason, the last couple NCAAs is it's been really interesting to see the order that coaches are putting their athletes in. Uh, Talk about your strategy and and where you put your fastest guys inside that 800 free relay.
1: I mean, last year, you know, we put Shane Costas up front just because he has a lot of, Opening speed, and I thought he could go 129, he eventually went 130. But you know, I knew he was going to be, or at least my guess was he was going to be with Karen Smith, and then he was going to be with whoever it was Texas had up front, whether it's Drew Keebler whoever it may be. So I knew to stay with them, we had to be close. And next, we put our, you know, best 200 freestyle, Mark Thiel. He split also the same time. Uh, But I think, you know, putting the top end up front was super important for us. And for us, after that, we just had to hang on. And obviously we were leading at some point and eventually they passed us. But I think for us, a cool moment that it won't matter to anybody else, but to us that, you know, we were able to beat the University of Florida and the 800 freestyle at SECs. Obviously we thought, you know, you think of it as a fluke. And then we were able to beat them again at NCAAs head to head right next to them but also was so cool for our, our guy and last guy, Clayton Bobo, you know, he was swimming for his life because at the end of Florida's really was Bobby Finked. And you know, every, now everybody knows how to get Finked. We didn't get Finked this time. We actually beat him for some reason, for some strange reason we were able to hold on. So to me, that was a special moment that we were, you know, to, we were able to beat the university of Florida twice that year. Um, just because the 800 Freestyle Relay has been their baby for so many years. And, you know, for us to, you know, just beat them one time and then do it again was just a special moment for Texas A&M. And as coaches, it was just a great moment for us, too, also. Well,
0: uh, it was it was great to watch and awesome to see that. And uh, I think there was a lot of reasons why you were able to do that. And uh, certainly a, a shout out to you and, and the staff and all the hard work. Jason, if young coaches want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, you you know, you feel free to email me uh, on my email or my social media. It's Jason Kalanog on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. It's J-A-S-O-N-C-A-L-A-N-O-G. And, you know, feel free to talk. We can, you know, talk on Instagram, you know, Twitter, whatever it may be. And you have any questions, you know, I, I love doing this. I think it's important for me to share. I think as a minority coach, I work so hard to prove that we belong and that's uh, to me is there's no bigger thing. And one of my callings and why I'm a coach is to help younger coaches to be better because I understand what it was for me 10, 15 years ago when no one gave me a chance. They didn't want me just because I was a young Asian coach. And for me to have the success is awesome, but I want to continue to mentor younger coaches and. Give them opportunities that they may have never had. So that's one of my life goals: is to help younger coaches become better coaches and give them opportunities which they never got before.
0: Yeah, so important too for many of our USA club coaches who watch this to to keep your eye out for staff who need opportunities and look for those passionate coaches with a diverse background or a background that's dissimilar from the majority of your team. So mm-hmm. important to get kids especially to create relationship opportunities in with cultures and ethnicities that they might not have ever had a chance to I know it's important to you you've you've been on a USA swimming diversity camp staff uh, and I and I know that that's something really important to you and that's certainly something that's important to us here on coaches corner so really appreciate your time today coach this is a great episode Dan's gonna have his work cut out for him making the <laughs> clips and uh, really appreciate your time Good luck to Texas A&M this year. We'll be rooting for you.
1: Thanks, Mike. Thank you for the opportunity. And if everyone needs any help, please hit me up. And I'm for sure love to help you guys out. Awesome. Thank you.